Father, we thank you today, Lord Jesus, for this word that I know that you have given this church, Lord. I love this church. And I pray, oh God, that you would touch each and every soul. God, I pray that you would help us to know that we're more than conquerors through Christ who gives us strength. Would you walk up and down the aisles of this church today? And God, would you speak like you've never spoken before in my weakness? In Jesus' name, amen. Would you turn with me to Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Revelation 12, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love life or their lives even unto death. Now I want you to flip over to Romans chapter 8, verse 37. And this is the verse that we're going to feed off of for the next several weeks or the theme of our series of messages comes from this verse. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. This morning I want to continue my series entitled Overcomer. And if there's one thing that is clear in the Bible, it is that God's people are called to be overcomers. That God's people are called to live in, a, in victory. In, they're, they're called to be winners and they're called to be the last one standing. And God's people should be deeply convinced that they can do all things through Christ who gives them strength. That they can face incredible obstacles in their life and still be the last one standing. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that God has shown us that in this life, we are going to face giants. We are going to face obstacles. We are always going to face difficult situations in our life. Christians are not exempt from trials in their life. But trials for the Christian should serve to make them wiser and stronger. Trials for the Christian ought to make them more like Jesus. We ought to embrace the trials of our life, knowing this one thing, that God is at work in all things. Come on, somebody. And that's what makes us more than conquerors. It's not the absence of trials in our life. It's not the absence of pain in our life. It's not the absence of fires in our life. But it's the fact that we can go through the fire and know that Jesus is going to be dancing in the fire with us. That we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we will fear no evil because we know that God is with us. Come on, somebody help me out today. And if you... Recall, we began to look at one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible, Romans chapter 8. It's my favorite chapter. And in the context of Romans chapter 8, Paul tells us that we're more than conquerors in our suffering, in our pain, in our sorrow, in our disappointment, even in persecution, we are more than conquerors. And for the 
For the past few weeks, we have discovered through Romans chapter 8 that we have what's called an overcomer's creed. And I, I want to see if we can get that on the screen. Can we do that right now? We are more than conquerors, and we are actually memorizing the overcomer's creed. And so I want you again today to stand to your feet. Now, I was in a Catholic church yesterday, and let me tell you, you get away with a lot in this church. Come on, somebody. Oh, my goodness. I was doing calisthenics in that church. Every three minutes, we were sitting down, up, sitting down, up, sitting down, up. So you guys get it easy because you get to sit down for 45 minutes while I preach. Come on, somebody. But I want us to repeat this together. This is our creed. I, I hope that every one of you have an overcomer's creed card and that you put it somewhere, and I want you to memorize it. I want you to memorize it. So that when the enemy tries to tell you that he's going to take you out, I want you to quote this back to the enemy. Come on, somebody. You see, the enemy's dumb. I mean, he's dumb. He keeps on coming after us, but the more he comes after us, the more we get stronger in the Lord. Come on, somebody. And every time he tries to do something to harm us, what he means for our evil and our harm, God always uses for his glory and our good. Come on, somebody. I am no longer condemned. I am free from sin and death. I am complete in Christ. I have a new mind. I live in the power of the Holy Spirit. My favorite, I am a child of God Almighty. I'm an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ. My present situation could never compare to my future glory. God is at work right now in my present situation. I am becoming more like Jesus every day. God is for me and no one can stand against me. I think you need to say that again. God is for me and no one can stand against me. Jesus is my mediator and my chief intercessor. And nothing will ever separate me from God's incredible love. I think we should thank the Lord for that. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody help me out today. Hallelujah. You may be seated. You may be seated. Okay, get back up again. We're in the Catholic Church. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my gosh. You know, several months ago, um, I got together with some leaders, a lot of leaders, and uh, we decided that we were going to call a week of prayer and fasting and at the end of September. So as you gather with me and the leaders this week, and I want to encourage you, you know, we were praying a couple of years ago, and you could go online and put, put in Steve Malazzo tsunami, tsunami, Steve Malazzo tsunami, and you will see a message that God gave me several years ago about what I called was a coming tsunami of delusion to, the, to, to America. And, um, and so uh, that's, been on, that's, that's been on the internet for a while. And uh, a couple of months ago, I gathered with some leaders and we started praying. And this one pastor, he said, you know, there was a lady in my church. She had a vision 
of this tidal wave that was coming. I said, oh boy. And then all of a sudden, this other woman raised her hand. She said, and I saw that same vision. That same week, a woman in our church called me up. She said, Pastor, I hope you don't mind, but I need to share this vision that God gave me. It was the exact same vision God gave me a couple of years ago. And so we stopped everything, and I said to everyone, I said, I, I want you to know, I, I don't ever try to push my stuff, my sermons or whatever. I said, but I told these leaders, I said, just so you understand that this is really of God, I want you to go online and, and put in Steve Malazzo's tsunami, I said, to prove to you that what I'm going to tell you right now uh, is not made up. It's not fabricated. I said, I saw this a couple of years ago. I said, and I know this is the word of the Lord, and now I'm telling you God's given me a new revelation or vision. And while we were sitting together with the leaders, God showed me a group of people, church people, Christians, born again, blood washed, overcomers, that were arm in arm, praying together, holding their arms up like this, actually holding back, pushing back the tsunami of delusion. Let me tell you, folks, prayer changes everything. Prayer changes everything. It changes us so we can be world changers. And the Lord gave me this word that we should call a fast and a prayer at the end of September 29th. And pastors all over joined me and said, yes, we, we are going to do this. So, so fr friends, I want you to know that I am challenging you on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 48 hours. We want to have constant, committed prayer uh, through not only Bethlehem Assembly of God, but through New York City and the state. And um, so I'm challenging you on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to fast and pray for 48 hours. Now, some of you can't fast all that time, food, drink, liquids, whatever you have to do to make sure that you're fasting with us. And the church is going to be open. Now, why did we do it Friday night at 10 o'clock? Well, because there's a lot of ministry that goes on on Friday, and we didn't want to stop it so soon. So we said, you know, let's let the youth meet. Let's let all the kids meet. But then let's gather them together in the sanctuary. So I want to encourage you to bring your kids out. Friday night at 10 o'clock, we're going to have a kickoff kind of prayer time together, worship and prayer at 10 o'clock in the evening. And then we're just going to go through the evening on Friday evening into Saturday, all through Saturday. And then Sunday, I'm going to come back and preach a special message uh, found in Mark chapter 9. And then we're going to continue to pray. And we're going to finish at 10 o'clock on Sunday evening. And so I want you to Think about the time that you can come to the church. The church is going to be open all that time, 48 hours, all the way through the night. And um, so we want you to sign up online. Uh, I want you to go and sign up. You'll see, you can see where, and if you don't know how to do that, just go to the, to the information desk, and they'll help you do that. But sign up because I don't want one hour. Uh, listen, I do not want to go online and check it out this week and say that there's an hour that's missing. I want every hour, I want to close it up, I want to seal it up, and I want every hour being covered for 48 hours of prayer and fasting. I believe that we are going to push back evil, and we're going to begin to hear testimonies of what God is doing. Amen? So I want you to join me. Would you please do that? Uh, because it's really important. Amen? And um, so now we're looking at Romans chapter 8. And according to Romans chapter 8, uh, we are more than conquerors. And this morning, I actually 
want to look even closer at Romans chapter 8, verses 2 to 4. I'm, I'm actually going to exegete. I'm going to go through Romans chapter 8. I wasn't going to do that. That's not where I, I intended to go, but the Holy Spirit really slowed me down and said, you need to slow down <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago. And he told me, I just want you to go through Romans chapter 8. So we're going to exegete it. We're going we're gonna to look at it verse by verse, and we're going to see what God has to say. Now, I know Pastor Henry last week did a wonderful job and he actually went a little bit further and he said to me, can I preach on this? I said, absolutely, let the Holy Spirit uh, tell you what to preach on. So he talked about having a new mind. But I want to go back, Romans chapter 8, verse 2 to 4. And this is what it says, listen to this. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Everybody say the law of sin and death. Now, you, you know that Paul the Apostle said, therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And I know a lot of people like to quote Romans 8, 1, and then just kind of go ahead and skip all the way to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, because we like those key verses. But everything in between is the mortar that holds the bricks together. You cannot have Romans chapter 8, 1 without Romans chapter 8, 2 to 4. You can't have Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose without having Romans chapter 8, verses 2 to 4. So the first thing that Christ sets us free from is the law of sin and death. I want you to say with me, everybody in this room, I am free from sin and death. I am free from the law of sin and death. Now, does it mean that we will never sin again? I remember when I was 19 years old and I just got on fire for Jesus. I love Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus so much. I thought I will never sin again. I love you so much, Jesus. I love you so much, Jesus, that I will never hurt your heart again. I will never sin. And I went to my youth pastor and I said, you know what? I've got the Holy Spirit living inside of me. I've been born again by the power of God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm never going to sin again. He said, come back in 15 years and tell me how that went. How'd that work out? You know, and, and it's not that we never sin, but we need to recognize that we have been freed from the law of sin and death. Paul tells us that there's two laws at work in us. There's the, there's the law of the Spirit, where we're baptized in the Spirit, we're born again by the Spirit of God, but there's another law that is at work, and it's the law of sin and death. And so even though we've been sanctified, we've been set apart by God, we've been justified, just as if we've never sinned before, the truth of the matter is that we are still in a battle with the law of sin and death. But at the same time, we've been free from that law. In other words, even though there's a battle, the truth of the matter is, is that we are more than conquerors and we can conquer sin every single time in our life. We don't have to give in to sin even though we do sin it's because of our own rebellion or our own want to sin but the truth is we've been set free from sin in our life I think I should really hear a really great hearty amen to that you see 
verse 2 says, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives us life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Sin always leads to death. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So Paul the apostle is telling the Galatians, listen, it's for freedom that Christ came. Christ died on the cross to give you freedom. And every time the devil tells you that you're still bound, every time the devil tells you that you can't help it, that you have to sin, that you have to do wrong things, you need to remind the devil that it was for freedom that Christ came to set us free so that you and I are free now from the law of sin and death. Do we still sin? Yes, but we don't sin because we have to. We sin because we want to. Come on. See, that's the difference. When you were born again, you were set free from the power of sin in your life. And I want to tell you, when I want to sin, I sin now, not because I can't help myself. I sin because I want to. And there's a big difference. You were bound at one time, but the Son has set us free. Amen? The Bible said, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and say, after all these years, you haven't improved at all. You're still the funniest looking person I've ever seen in my life. But you are free indeed. You're free indeed. John chapter 8, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Free. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is what? Freedom, liberty. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, and he has anointed me to set the captive free. Now listen, before we were born again, we were captive to our sin. We were bound to our sin. Listen, I don't get offended by sinners. Listen to me. I don't get offended by sinners. When they use foul language, I don't get offended. When they do things that are just like their nature, I don't get offended. That's their nature. Here's who I get offended at. I get offended at Christians. Christians who come walking into my office and they've got foul mouths and they, they make all kinds of excuses and compromises for their sin. And they say, well, I can't, but the devil made me do it. No, the devil can't make you do it anymore. You've been free from sin, glory to God. You've been free from the power of sin, glory to God. What the law was powerless to do. God did by sending his own son. And when Jesus died on the cross, he disarmed the principalities and powers and wickedness and high places. Therefore, God, because of what he's done for you, the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And this is the faith that overcomes the world. Come on, help me out today. We're more than conquerors over sin in our life. Glory to God. Oh, Behave yourself, Pastor Steve. You got to do this two, three, four times. But the Bible says I'm free from the power of sin in my life. I'm free from the power of the flesh in my life. Now listen to me very carefully. This entire series is about being more than a conqueror, an overcomer. Being an overcomer at work. Being an overcomer at school. Let me tell you something. When I gave my life to Jesus at 19, nobody was going to tell me that I had to give in to sin any longer. 
When I gave my life to Jesus, I became radically saved. And I went to college. I went to a secular college. And, man, I took that college by storm. I'm telling you. I preached to everything that walked. And I didn't care. I, I, frankly, I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what the world thinks about me. I'm more than a conqueror. I found new life. Hallelujah. I was blind and now I can see. I was deaf but I couldn't hear. I was lame and I couldn't walk. I was dying and I was going to hell. And Jesus came and he rescued me out of myself. And he rescued me out of hell. And he rescued me out of eternal separation from the Father. Hallelujah. And I want to go to the mountaintop and shout it. Hallelujah. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free indeed. God has called us to be more than conquerors in our marriages. I'm going to tell you, I know marriage is hard. Being married to me is hard. (laughs) My wife is here. My beautiful wife is here today. My beautiful wife is here today. You know, my my wife doesn't want a front seat in the church. She doesn't want a front seat. She doesn't want people to dote over her. She doesn't want to be called the first lady of the church. She just wants to take in the sermon just like anyone else. And she's here. And being married to me is not easy. But we've been married for 36 years. And God has made us overcomers. Hallelujah. That we could go through the most difficult times of our life, 13 years. It's been 13 years of taking care of mom in our house. And you know what? It was hard. But I wouldn't change a day, not a moment, because now I can say we overcame. We took my mother-in-law all the way to the end and ushered into heaven. We never gave up. We never quit. And we love each other more today than we did when we first started. Glory to God. God wants us to be more than conquerors in our marriage. He wants us to be more than conquerors in life. And what is a conqueror? What is an overcomer? I mean, we've got to define that, don't we? Because some people think an overcomer is somebody who has no problems Somebody, some people believe an overcomer is, is somebody who's got a nice car in the driveway, a nice house, you know, a nice boat, you know, all these things, a big bank account. Hey, hey, listen, you could have all the money in the world and not be an overcomer. Do you know how many people we know that are very wealthy? I mean, filthy wealthy. And man, they're not an overcomer in their family. They've been married four or five times. I wouldn't say that's an overcoming marriage. Hallelujah. Come on. Hello. You know, they're on drugs. One of the reasons why they got so much money is because they're so unhappy that they can't stop working and have some fun in their life. I don't think that's an overcomer. So what does it mean to be an overcomer? Well, I think, number one, it means that you have peace within, 
that you've learned to be content in whatever situation that you find yourself in. There's a joy in your heart that no one can take away. Listen, you're an overcomer when they throw you in prison and you're still rejoicing. Come on, somebody. Now, I'm not, I'm not planning on going to prison, but I would pray that, that God help me, Lord God, if I was persecuted or whatever, and I'd still serve you. Uh, an overcomer is somebody who says, listen, Jesus is Lord of my life, and nothing's going to change that. Glory to God. No situation in my life, no circumstance in my life is going to take away my love for Jesus, my love for my family, my love for God, my love for people, and my loyalty for, to God. And listen, even if I have to die, I'm going to serve God. That's an overcomer. Come on, somebody. I think an overcomer is somebody who lives with a sense of divine purpose. An overcomer is someone who has victory in their life. Is someone who expresses their faith in their daily life in a way which they see God do amazing things in their life on a daily basis. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, um, some grandiose thing. I'm talking about just simply seeing God do amazing things in our life. You know, overcomers are all over this church. People who have gone through unbelievable situations in their life, and yet they still serve God with all their heart. Come on. You know, they're speaking to people, speaking into their lives, and they're winning souls, and they're going on missions trips, and they're being faithful to their church and their community. To me, that's an overcomer. But listen to me. The most important characteristic of an overcomer is not that they have a, uh, people have a lot of money or whatever. The most important characteristic of an overcomer is that they have victory over sin in their life. Listen to me carefully. You and I have a real enemy, and this enemy wants to kill us. He wants to destroy our lives. He wants to take down our marriages. He wants to destroy us spiritually. He wants to destroy us emotionally, physically, and relationally. And this enemy is sin. And sin has always been mankind's greatest enemy. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. I know that most of us believe that the devil is our greatest foe. But the truth is, our devil, or the devil, is not our greatest foe. Sin is our greatest enemy. And until we see it that way, until we understand that sin is our greatest enemy... Yes, the devil's powerless because he was defeated on the cross. And even though we look at the devil today and we say, well, well he's, still, he's still pretty powerful. The truth of the matter is, is that the Bible tells us that Jesus disarmed the devil, taking away his power over our life. And so often we give the devil too much credit. Well, the devil made me do it. Well, I couldn't help myself because the devil tricked me. He deceived me. Yes, he's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's the father of lies. In fact, that's the only thing the enemy really has is lies and deception. Why? Because he's been rendered powerless over your life. Because greater is he that lives in you. Because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because you're the head and not the tail. 
You're blessed going in and blessed going out. And when, when you've got the favor of God on your life, listen to me. When you've got the favor of God on your life, the devil cannot destroy your life. He needs permission from God to do anything in your life. And there are times when God allows the enemy kind of touch you a little bit, but the enemy will not destroy you because the Bible says God will complete the work that he began inside of you and he will present you holy and blameless on that day. Come on, somebody help me out. Out, glory to God. So, so the enemy is no match for the spirit of God that lives inside of us. Your real enemy is sin. Your real enemy is disobedience towards God. You know, the scripture shows us a story, and it's a, it's a very important story for us to understand. And it's the story of Balaam and King Balak. Now, King Balak was obviously an enemy of the Israelites, and Balaam was a prophet. He was a soothsayer. He was a prophet, and the Bible tells us that he had a gift from God, and Balak somehow recognized that Balaam was a greedy person, so he had a, he had a weakness. Even though he had a gift from God, he had a weakness, you know. He wanted to use his gift from God to make money. Sounds like a lot of TV preachers today. Come on, somebody. Help me out. Well, I tell you, that Mike Mordek. You know, there's a guy that's on TV. He gets me so angry. I'm telling you. So every once in a while, I'm flipping through the channel 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, and he speaks a, a sermon that at the end, it's always about planting your seed. Give us money. Listen, if a preacher charges you to hear him preach, don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. Now, I understand we have to take offerings and tithes and all of that stuff to help the church, right? But if you've got to pay to go hear a preacher preach, come on, somebody. There's something wrong with that. You know, and, and so, so uh, Balaam was kind of like one of those TV preachers who wanted to make money. And, and so Balak understood that. And he said to Balaam, Balaam, listen, I give you whatever you want. I want you to do one thing. I want you to go ahead and, and speak a curse over the people of Israel. Because I, we know that the only way we can defeat the people of Israel is if they're under a curse. If they're under the blessings of God, we can't touch them. If they're under the blessings of God, if they're under the favor of God, if the grace of God is at work, and what is grace? Grace is God's favor over your life. It's unmerited favor. It's God giving you what you need, when you need it, even though you don't deserve it. It's the favor of God. That's grace. Grace is unmerited favor. And when you've got favor on your life, when God favors you, you become an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. The truth of the matter is the enemy cannot touch you without permission from God. You're protected, right? And so the Bible tells us that Balak, he says to the prophet Balaam, listen, I want to give you a lot of money. He said, just do me one favor. Go and curse the people of God. Because if they're cursed, then we can come in and destroy them. And, and Balaam said, I can't do that. Because they're under the blessing of God. And so Balak goes back and forth with Balaam a few times. And then Balaam, he says, you know what? I really could use one, a nice boat and a nice car and a big house because, you know, I've been in ministry and I deserve it all, right? He said, so listen, I got a way that you can, you can I got a way that I can help you to defeat the people of Israel. He said, here's what you're going to do. He says, I, I will go and uh, I will help you to understand the way in which you could defeat the people of Israel. And how did he do it? He he actually said to Balak, well, we can't touch them unless they sin. 
un, unless they disobey the Lord. If you can tempt them and you can get them to sin and you can get them to disobey the Lord, then they'll be cursed. And so the whole story is actually about the Israelites being tempted to, to actually uh, go against the principles of God and sin against God so that there would be an opening for the enemy to come in and destroy the Israelites. Here's another story in the Bible. So God says to Joshua, I want you to go in and possess the land. Remember that? Okay, we're talking about being courageous and strong. And God delivers the people of Israel out of Egypt. And now they're, in, they're going into the promised land. And, and what does God say to Joshua? He said, I want you to be courageous. I want you to be strong. And I want you to obey everything that I've told you to do. Obey it all. And if you live in obedience, whatever you do will be successful. Live in obedience, live in holiness, and everything you do will be successful. And so uh, God says to the people of Israel, I want you to take the first city. And what was the first city? Come on, I want to see if you know Sunday school, all right? If you don't, you're going back to children's Sunday school. Okay, the first city was Jericho. And God specifically told the people of Israel, when you go into Jericho, the only thing that you're allowed to take out of is the gold and silver, and that is to be given to the Lord. You see, it was the first fruit. He said, I want you to go in and take every single city, but the first city, I want you to take the first fruit of that city, that's tithe and offering, and I want you to give it to the Lord. I want you to give the silver and gold to the Lord, and don't take anything for yourself. Everything else gets burned and destroyed, everything. Don't touch anything. It's all under the curse of God, except for the first fruit. But we know the story that they went in and took the land and, and Joshua was obedient to the Lord, but there was someone in the camp. His name was Achan. And by the end of the story, Achan is really Achan. Because, but because Achan goes into the land and Joshua makes an edict and he says to all the people, when you go in, do not touch anything. Do not touch the cursed thing. Now, isn't that, doesn't that sound familiar? In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, come out from amongst them, be ye separate, touch not the cursed thing, then I will be your father, amen? But the Bible says that Achan, he saw, he saw a beautiful outfit, a garment. Now listen, this was all pride because it was a kingly, priestly garment. And he said, boy, I want that, man, I want that. I want to put that on, man, to feel like a king. So he took the garment, he took some silver, and he took a gold bar, and he hid it under his tent. Now the Bible tells us that God says to, uh, to Joshua, okay, you've taken that land, thank you so much. You've taken that land. He said, now I want you to go take another city. Now I want you to, now I want you to understand a couple of leadership principles here. The Bible says that Joshua did not pray and consult the Lord. But he went up to take the next city, Ai, and he sent some spies, and the spies said, oh, we can take this land. We don't even need all of our, our warriors. This is a small city. We just need a couple of guys, and we'll take this land, and it'll be like, boom, we'll just, we'll just take care of it. And so the Bible says that because Joshua didn't consult the Lord, and the Lord 
did not tell Joshua, Joshua, there's sin in the camp. There's sin in the camp. There's sin in the camp. You can't go to Ai until you deal with the sin in the camp. Because if you go to Ai and there's sin in the camp, you opened yourself up to the enemy. You've opened yourself up for the enemy to destroy you. But he didn't consult the Lord. And they went up, and the Bible said that, that this little city, this tiny little city, a city that was so small, way smaller than Jericho, routed the Israelites, and 36 men died, and they came home, and the Bible says the whole camp was filled with fear. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. When you sin, and there's secret sin in your life, you will be filled with fear. Because you know that your sin is going to find you out. And you know that sin is going to open the door to the enemy in your life. You see, the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. But the wicked flee, though no one is pursuing them. And friend, when you are living a clean and holy life, when there's nothing in your closet... When you know that God is pleased with you, you can walk with your head up. You can walk with boldness. You can walk not in your own righteousness, not because you're righteous in yourself, but because you know that you're walking with the Lord. You're obedient to God. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that they routed the Israelites and fear seized the, the people of God. And Joshua fell on his face and said, God, what happened? And God said, Joshua, why didn't you consult me? I would have told you. There's sin in the camp. He said, I want you to take all the people, and I want you to take the heads of your people from every tribe. And Achan is from his tribe, the tribe of Judah. And the lot falls on, Lake, on, on Achan, and, 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 and Joshua says to Achan, Achan, be honest with me. Tell me the truth. I think Achan's thinking, I'm going to get away with this. All I have to do is tell the truth. And so Achan says, yeah, I took, the, I took the garment. It was really nice, and I wanted to see myself in that garment. And I want to be honest with you, I took the garment. He said, I took a little bit of silver and just a little bit of gold, just a little bit, just, just one bar. Come on, don't, come on, don't be so nitpicky. It's just one bar of gold. And the Bible says that Joshua took him and his family and his children it's a hard story. I don't like those stories in the Bible. I want to be honest. It's a hard story. But that story represents what sin can do in a man's life. That sin can always take down the mighty. That you might think, you know what? Nobody sees it. Nobody's going to see the little gold. Nobody's going to see that little adulterous affair. Nobody's going to see that little bit of alcohol that I consume. Nobody's going to see that little pornography that I'm addicted to. I can get away with it, friend. I want to tell you, sin will kill you every time. You don't play with sin. 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 You don't play with sin because sin will kill you. Sin will not only kill you, but sin will kill your family. It'll kill your marriage. It'll kill your legacy. 
It'll kill your reputation and it'll take out your family. Come on, somebody. You see, until we get ruthless with sin, until we say no compromise with sin, no, 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 I can't have any sin in my life. Why? Because I know that sin will take me out. Come on, somebody. I'm afraid to tell you today that the church is steeped in compromise. Why? Because we've forgotten that sin will always kill you. Sin will always take you farther than you want to go and keep you a lot longer than you want to stay. I'm, I'm going to tell you why the church is so powerless today. Because we have forgotten the intensity and the power of sin in a person's life. You see, sin was always mankind's greatest enemy from the beginning of time. You know, God created Adam and Eve in the garden. And as long as they obeyed God, they were protected. But Satan deceived Adam and Eve to sin. And the Bible says, because sin passed on from one man, it passed on to all and all of sin. And because of sin, death now reigns in this world. Friend, please, please don't think that sin is a light thing to mess around with. Sin is the thing that created death in this world. Sin, disobedience from God. God said, the day that you touch of that tree and eat it, you will surely die. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. Sin was a thing that hung my Savior and my Lord on the cross. And from the beginning of time, Satan, he knew the only thing that he could do to get a foothold in mankind's life is cause them to sin. Listen to what God tells Cain right before he kills his brother, Abel. God says to Cain, Cain, if you do what is right, you will be accepted. But if you do what is wrong, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. But you must rule over it. And Christian, God is saying the same thing to you today. Christ died on the cross. What the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his son to die on the cross for us so that we might have eternal life and be freed, set free from the law of sin and death. But you, Christian, must recognize that sin is still crouching at the door. It's still trying to sneak up in your life. But now because the Holy Ghost lives inside of you, because you've been redeemed, because you've been born again by the power of God, and because greater is he that lives inside of you than he that lives in the world, you don't need to be mastered by sin any longer. You don't need to be under the control of, of the master of sin any longer. You've been set free now. Don't let sin rule over you, but you must dominate and rule over sin in your life. Come on, somebody. Don't let sin rule you any 
longer. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 12, therefore, you know that word therefore is so important. It's there for a reason. Brothers and sisters, we have an obligation now. Romans 8.1, therefore there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus for what the law was powerless to do. That it was weakened in the flesh, God did by sending his only son so that we might have the law of the spirit at work in our life. Therefore, listen to what he says, you have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, listen, he's talking to Christians, don't move around. Nobody, don't let me lose you right now. If you live according to the flesh, he's talking to Christians, not non-Christians. If you live according to the flesh, Christians, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Wow. It's your choice. You must decide to put to death the misdeeds of the flesh, but you have the power to do it. Romans chapter 6. Shall we continue on sinning that grace may abound? God forbid. Don't you know that you've been baptized into the death of Christ and raised to new life? Therefore, consider the members of your body dead to sin and alive to Christ. Reckon yourself dead to sin but alive to Christ. Do not offer the members of your body to sin any longer, but offer your members to Christ, to God himself. You can do it, Christians. Listen, you can live in victory over sin. This is not a message of, of condemnation. This is a message of encouragement. You can live for God. Paul tells us if you live according to the flesh, if, if you allow sin to dominate your life, if you allow sin to overcome you, you will die. There's a way that seems right to man, but it ends in death. Sin always leads to death. And you and I will never be overcomers. Listen to me. The reason why God gave me this message on Thursday is the worship team comes. The reason why God gave me this message on Thursday is because as I was contemplating what does it really mean to be more than an overcomer or more than a conqueror, the Holy Spirit told me that you will never be a conqueror. You will never live life on purpose. You will never be all that God wants you to be until you get ruthless with sin. Until you recognize that God has called us to be holy even as God is holy. That there's no, there's no compromising with sin in our life. Because sin will always take you out. You cannot be an overcomer. You cannot live on purpose. You cannot have joy in your life. You cannot have peace in your life. You cannot have victory in your life. You cannot be pleasing to God. You cannot help other people when you have compromise and sin in your life. So the foundation of being an overcomer is to live a holy and righteous life. Jesus warns us about sin. He says, if, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. He wasn't saying literally pluck it out because I know some blind people that have lust. You know what I'm talking about. It's in your heart. 
But here's what he was saying. He was saying that sin is so destructive in our life that it would be better to pluck your eyes out and be blind, cut your hand off if it offends you, than to go to hell, than to die, than to allow your family to be destroyed by adultery, your family to be destroyed by pornography, your legacy, your good name. Look at me. Every day I just, I cry out to God. Since I was 19 years old, 10 years ago, started crying out to God. God, just one day at a time. Just one day at a time. God, may my life be pure and holy. God, would you keep me from sin? Would you deliver me? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And Jesus said, you have to be ruthless with sin. You've got to be ruthless with compromise. You've got to be ruthless with those things in your life that want to take you down so that you can be more than a conqueror. But I love what it says in Romans chapter 8. Listen what it says. It says, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sin to be an offering so that he condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned sin. Sin, you're condemned. <laughs> you have no more rule. You know what the word condemn means? It's final. It's final. When Jesus died on the cross and he rose on the third day, he said to sin, I condemn you. It's final. You will not have power over my children any longer. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's final. Now, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting to you today that you try to live a better life. Listen to me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm not suggesting that today you try to live a better life. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about becoming legalistic. I'm not talking about trying harder not to sin. You, you can try as hard as you want, and you will never be victorious over sin until you recognize the finished work of Jesus on the cross to telestai, the Greek word, it is finished. That when Jesus died on the cross, look at me, when he died on the cross, he took your sin and he nailed it to the cross, past, present, and future. Glory to God. And when he died on the cross and rose on the third day and sent his Holy Spirit, he not only justified you, he not only sanctified you, he not only made you righteous, but he also gave you victory over sin in your life. You no longer have to sin. Paul said, you don't have to sin any longer. You can live in victory. That's the good news. The good news is that we don't have to be a victim, a slave to sin. Paul said, it is for freedom that Christ died for you. Therefore, don't allow yourself to be placed back into slavery again. But let me finish this sermon with one last verse. And they, you and me, overcame him, the man of sin, the one who tempts us, 
by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Listen, listen. God has not rendered you powerless to sin. You're more than a conqueror over the sin in your life. Whatever it is, some of you, you're struggling with pornography. Men of God, you don't have to struggle with pornography. Men of God, you could rise up and defeat that in your life. You know that that pornography is not good for you. You know that that pornography is destroying your relationship with your wife. You know that God wants you to be faithful to your wife. And you don't need to be addicted to that. And I'm telling you today, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You don't need to have that in your life. Oh, you, let me get a little bit more practical. Maybe it's not pornography. Maybe it's not adultery. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's anger and bitterness, unforgiveness. Somebody hurt you. And the enemy keeps on pulling you back into that bitterness, back into that unforgiveness. Friend, I want to tell you, unforgiveness and bitterness is the greatest sin of all. Because it says that you have the right to be bitter and, and unforgiven towards somebody else. When you do that, you don't understand the grace that God has given you in your life. Oh, let me get a little bit more down to earth. Some of you, your mouth causes you to sin every day. You're a gossip. And you think, oh, gossip isn't as bad as sex trafficking. The Bible says gossip is an abomination to God. And you know every time you speak a word of gossip out of jealousy and judgmental criticism, you know the Holy Spirit says to you, you're defiling yourself. And that's why you're not having the Holy Spirit work in your life the way God wants to work in your life. You see, all of us have a sin that tries to so easily beset us. And my struggle is not your struggle, and your struggle is not my struggle. But all of us, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and wickedness and high places. Therefore, put on the full armor of God that you might be able to stand. He didn't say you wrestle with the, the devil in the mud. He didn't say you wrestle with the devil in the mud. He didn't say you wrestle with sin. He said you can stand. You can live in victory. You can overcome. And how do you overcome? You overcome by the blood of the Lamb. God has given you, listen to me, God has given you his greatest tool, his greatest weapon, the blood of Jesus. Let me tell you, when I was a kid growing up, I heard about the blood of Jesus often in sermons. We don't want to preach about the blood anymore. It's too offensive. The only, the only person who should get really offended by the blood is not a Christian, but the devil. Because let me tell you something, friend. There's one thing the devil can't cross over. He can't cross over the bloodline. Hallelujah. 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 And the people of Israel, they were coming out of Egypt, and the Bible says that God passed judgment on the people of Egypt, and he was going to kill the firstborn. 
And the Bible says that God said to Moses, tell the people, take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost. And when I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over. Hallelujah. And I want you to know when the devil, when the devil sees the blood, he's going to pass over and say the blood has been applied to the doorpost of your heart. The next time the devil comes knocking on your door, the next time sin comes knocking on your door, say the blood has been applied. The blood has been applied. The blood has been applied. Hallelujah. And they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word in the word of their testimony. I got a testimony today. I got a story. Once I was blind, now I can see. Once I was deaf, but now I can hear. Once I was lame, but now I can walk. Once I was dead, but now I'm alive. Hallelujah. Once I was bound, but now I'm free. Now I'm free. Once I was blind, once I was deaf, once I was dead, but now I'm alive. Once I was bound, but now I'm free. And whom the Son, and whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Free indeed. Free indeed. Hallelujah. Now let me talk to you for a moment. Let me talk to you for a moment. Bow your heads. I know that there's somebody in this room today. There's somebody that's watching via live stream around the world, wherever you are today. You've been struggling, struggling, struggling. You've been struggling. You wonder if God loves you. The greatest struggle you have in your life is, the, is your past and the things you've done that you're not proud of today. And you wonder if God loves you, friend. The Bible says if God did not spare his son, but gave him up freely, how much more will he give you all things? Hallelujah. And what you need today is forgiveness. And God says, I forgive you. No matter what you've done in your life, I forgive you. I loved you so much that I sent my son. And he poured out his precious blood. Why did Jesus have to pour out the blood? Because the Bible says life is in the blood. And no one will be saved without the blood. And so Jesus, he poured out his spotless blood. It was a sin offering. And Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed, he took, he took the cup and he, he said, this is my blood that has been poured out for you. As often as you drink this, do it in remembrance. We remember the blood because it's the blood that gave us eternal life. And you're here today, say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'd, if I died today, I'd go to heaven and I need Jesus to wash me clean by the blood. The Bible says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God wants to clean up your life today. He wants to clean your life as if you've never sinned before. That's what the blood of Jesus can do. The Bible says if you walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all 
sin, all sin. And it's not just one time, but it's, it's forever. As you come to God today, you're here today, you say, Pastor, I'm not certain if I die today. I want Jesus to clean my life up and wash me clean. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you today. Raise your hand as high as you can and say, yes, Lord. I want Jesus to clean up my life. I want Jesus to clean up my past. I want Jesus to clean up my heart. I want Jesus to scrub me clean today. He wants to do it today by his blood. He offered his blood. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, he offered his blood once and for all. Not over and over and over again, but once and for all. Finishing the work on the cross so that you might have eternal life. I want to pray with you right now. I want to pray that God would cleanse you. You say, Pastor Steve, I'm a Christian, but there's stuff in my life, and I know that it's, it's causing me to walk in guilt and condemnation, and it's causing me to walk in fear, and it's causing me to, to, to be worried about if I'm going to get found out. And you can't live an overcomer's life. You can't be bold. You can't be bold as the Bible says, the righteous are as bold as a lion. You can't live like a lion. And if you can't live like a lion, then you're not an overcomer. Today, God wants to make you an overcomer. You say, Pastor, I, I want to submit my struggles to God today. I want to submit my sin to God today. And one day at a time, I'm going to believe that his blood, his blood is sufficient. And the testimony of what God has done and will do in my life will be sufficient to give me freedom over this sin in my life I, I want freedom over this sin in my life I'm gonna walk in victory now what does that mean it means that you're gonna confess your sin to God today so if you're you're messing around with pornography if you're messing around with another woman if 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 you're if if you can't control your tongue and you're a gossip if you can't control that jealousy in your life and it causes you to speak bad about other people, pull people down, whatever it is, that unforgiveness in your life, there's only one remedy. You must confess your sin to God. God, I, I ask you to forgive me for this wickedness that's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy my life. Lord, I know that I'm better than that, Lord. I know that you filled me with your spirit. I know that I have more than, than the power that I need to do what I need to do. Is according to 2 Peter chapter 1 God has given us everything we need to live a life of godliness I want to repent today of my sin you know sometimes you got to have a good old-fashioned confessional the Bible says confess your faults one to another so here's how we're gonna do it today we're gonna confess our sin and and guess what I'm the first one to come to the altar here I am God you know my own sin but there's stuff in your life that needs to come to the foot of the cross. You have stuff in your life you need to give to God. I want you to get out of your seat right now and come to this altar and say, God, I confess my sin to you. Come on, right now, quickly, quickly. Who's going to be the first courageous person to confess it before God today? We don't play games in this church. Come on. This is not a seeker-friendly church. There's only one way. There's only one way. Confess your faults one to another. Lord, I sin. I've got some stuff in my life that needs to get cleaned up. I'm coming right now, Lord Jesus. Clean me up, Lord. Clean me up, Lord. Clean me up, Lord. Clean me up, Lord. Anybody else need to come? I got some stuff in my life that needs to be dealt with. Don't you stay there. Don't you stay in your seat. The devil, devil said, stay in your seat.
stay in your seat. I'm telling you, I'm the first one up here right now. I got, I got the sin of pride. There are times when I do things out of pride. I got the sin of insecurity. The things I do, it's because I'm insecure. But I tell you what, I'm living in victory one day at a time. Anybody else need to come? You come today. You got bitterness in your heart. You got unforgiveness in your heart. You got anger in your heart. You're a gossip. You're struggling with stuff in your life. You just come today and let God touch you. We're going to pray for people right now. We're going to start praying right now. Father, I thank you for this service today. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for the Holy Spirit in this place today. And now, Lord, as we go, go, we go in the power of the Spirit, Lord, knowing that we're more than conquerors. In the name of Jesus, I pray.